Hello, welcome to the podcast of the healing of emotional wounds. Our psychological health, like our physical, is a wonderful force of nature, taken for granted by those who enjoy this miracle, but intensely longed for by those who suffer pain, division or conflict within themselves. For some, it is the central goal of their life to recover it. In this podcast, I begin by outlining the nature of emotional wounds and distress, followed by a consideration of healing energies as a natural force. We explore how these can be blocked or unavailable, and how for some it must be found from within themselves rather than coming from an outside source. We suggest that, as in the body, there are many sources of healing in the psyche. The implication is that there is great advantage for therapeutic practitioners as well as for those who seek to heal their own wounds, to become acquainted with different methods of healing. Emotional wounds or distress are a damage to one's sense of self. Painful or crippling experiences of loss, deprivation, trauma, abuse, love wounds of rejection and betrayal, these cause pain but also limit the capacity of the psyche to function or grow. There are different levels of severity of emotional wounds. Some can be neurotic and limited to a part of the psyche, localised, to use psychological vocabulary. Others are spread throughout the character structure, indicating greater severity of suffering, while others are deeply rooted in the very sense of identity of the sufferer. Clearly, the healing pathway and the therapeutic techniques are quite different according to the levels of distress and damage. The word wound carries the impression of a distinct event, something discreet happening to the psyche like a wound to the body. But if we think of it in a wider sense as indicating distress of varying degrees of severity, one gets a better idea of how I'm using the term here. The psyche, that is the conscious plus the unconscious, may also be distorted, incomplete in conflict with itself, repress vital areas of its own functioning, or be dominated by a false self. This can also be equivalent to a wounding. For example, an excessively puritanical upbringing can create excessive rigidity and repression, or an education which overemphasizes academic achievement can crush natural feelings and instincts. Unfulfilled love or unrealized creativity may create intense anguish or despair. Repression of one's true nature may cause depression. Persecutory inner thoughts may create an unbearable inner climate of self-blame. Or the mask of a false persona can leave one feeling empty and alone. Such distortions to one's personality can symbolically appear in dreams. For example, an unfulfilled self may be represented as undiscovered rooms of one's own house. Or someone who is very repressed may dream of shadow figures, parts of their own repressed selves, which confront the dreamer. And indeed, many wounds are not simply inflicted externally, but can also be imposed internally. Spiritual distress can take the form of anguish, suffered by those who feel incomplete or at odds with their culture, or have an unrealised spiritual or creative nature. The dreams of such people may show damage or alienation, but may also indicate the way forward, 
that is, provide a healing solution. For example, I can remember when I was a young man entering into therapy, I had a dream that I was approaching a house where the basement was flooding. I realised that I had to go into the basement and rescue something urgently. And indeed, I went inside and took a manuscript from the basement outside. It was a large, precious manuscript. When I opened it outside, I found that it was full of music. And although I had no history of musical knowledge, I knew that what it represented was the realm of feeling and the sacred. And indeed, this is what I had to experience for myself in my therapy and in my life. It's clear that the range and intensity of emotional distress or wounding is considerable. And naturally, it calls out for healing. Emotional healing is sought from many sources. Another person who provides comfort or love is the great healer, allowing one to feel whole. For example, the child looks to the mother, or the child looks to the parents, or the sufferer looks to a friend, or to a lover, or to others in the church, perhaps, or others in a community or neighbourhood. This seeking for some form of comfort or love or healing from others is a natural recourse of human beings. In some religious movements, a guru may be a source of wisdom and love, thus promoting feelings of wholeness in the disciple. St Paul, in his famous letter to the Corinthians, says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass. And if I should have prophecy and should know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I should have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Spiritual healing may channel energy as if from a transcendent and universal source to the wounded. This is one of the most mysterious aspects of healing, generated ultimately, I suggest, from within. Music, architecture, art, dance or literature can promote a sense of wholeness. And indeed, I think this is one of the underlying motifs of the whole of art. The symphonies of the Romantics in the 19th century, for example, Beethoven and so on, frequently took the form of movements in which the sufferings and conflicts of the artists were first presented, then elaborated and finally resolved, often at a higher level. A dialectic of thesis, antithesis and synthesis, but which centred around a healing and transforming experience that is spiritual for many listeners to these symphonies. The experience of nature may also be a source of healing. Wordsworth, the English nature poet, of the late 18th and early 19th century, wrote of a healing natural intelligence and love permeating all nature and the soul of mankind. He says, a presence whose dwelling is the light of setting suns, a motion and a spirit that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thought and rolls through all things. That was from his poem, Tintin Abbey. He often talked about being in nature and, as it were, storing up the healing energies 
the love that he felt in nature, the awesome experience that he felt there, where he was in contact with some sublime force. And it was as if this experience in nature could be stored up like in a battery in his soul and called upon in dark hours when he was in difficulty or in the urban environment away from nature. Spiritual energies at first perceived on the outside, seemingly coming from another source, from a higher source or a god, connect mankind to the deeper psyche in which transcendent and healing forces are found within. This gives us a clue to the essential nature of healing within the body and psyche. It is a natural force. It permeates all nature and all life forms and is the very basis of our own life. When contemplated in its totality, this healing force is awesome and feels miraculous and close to the essence of things. Indeed, it must be so, because life could never have evolved without this healing and reparative force. Therefore, when therapists attempt to encourage healing in the sufferer, they are essentially stimulating the natural force within them. Our rituals concerning healing, be they in psychotherapy or any other practice, are essentially revolving around this natural energy. These rituals are to aid the emergence of the healing force, which is the natural health or wholeness within the sufferer. The Anglo-Saxon word for health is how, from which we derive the English word whole. Health is our natural wholeness. This inner sense of wholeness is often dependent on something or someone outside of oneself. And if this is taken away, serious results may follow. This is quite clear in the case of a child who is deprived of the parent, or a friend who is deprived of a close friendship, or a lover deprived of the beloved. The psychological dependence and the interrelationship, which is like an overlapping of psyche and psyche, in which healing and reparative forces are generated, is then taken away. Healing often takes place in a dual relationship of the healer and the wounded. There is a special quality when a practitioner helps to mobilise, focus and augment this natural healing energy within the sufferer. Notice that the healer is someone who stimulates, mobilises what is the natural force within the sufferer. However, this dual relationship is not the only way. Some people do it in groups. For example, AA famously do it within groups and have a specific programme within the group. Some people manage an amazing amount by themselves, that is, of psychological, emotional healing. But even these need help and guidance from reading or spiritual groups that they are connected to. But not everyone, unfortunately, can find healing outside of themselves. Loved ones may not be available. Some people remain alone. Some are betrayed or disappointed in love. Others do not have strong families to contain their identity. In the modern world, many can no longer turn to a family or to a personal God. Therefore, one may be obliged by personal suffering to look for the source of healing within oneself. This frequently requires a mobilisation and focus of extraordinary energy upon emotional and spiritual distress. To find this source within oneself, without help, is possible. 
but can be very difficult and confusing. We can compare healing in the body with that of the psyche. In physical medicine, one can list the various types of wounds and their stages of healing, such as the inflammatory stage, the proliferative and the remodelling phases of skin and tissue after a wound. Healing can be a regenerative or a repairing type of operation. One is more deep than the other. Physical healing is in fact as mysterious as emotional healing, but both are rooted in the same life process in evolution. We would not be here without this repair mechanism. There is a superb, immensely complex, miraculous process of creation and repair happening within us every moment. Life is a self-generating and self-repairing mechanism. Perhaps we should substitute the word miracle for mechanism. However, although physical healing is an extremely powerful and complex process, it does not always happen cleanly, does it? Physical healing can be blocked, interrupted or fail, leading to chronic wounds that won't heal. So even a brief glance at the role of healing in biological processes leads to interesting comparisons when one ponders the role of healing in psychological conditions. It is clear that, like physical healing in the body, there are different forms of emotional healing. Some are profound, others more superficial. Healing, while being largely instinctual in the body, can easily be blocked or prevented from functioning in the psyche, for example by repressive mechanisms. Or, trauma for example, may overwhelm natural healing functions of the psyche. Just as healing intelligence has many sources in the body, so too there are multiple sources in the psyche for dealing with psychological and emotional wounds and traumas. In this podcast, we have presented health and healing as our natural state, indicating that there is a wide range of wounding and emotional distress, and have mentioned only a few examples from a large potential list. We have pointed out that much healing is sought from relationships with others be they family, friends, lovers, gurus or therapists, yet many people are forced into the painful and difficult task of seeking healing alone. And for these, guidance is required. We have compared briefly physical and emotional healing and suggested that there are many sources of healing in the psyche as well as the body. We have not only pointed to the natural foundation of healing, but have hinted at higher or transcendent forces that may also be available in the psyche. As we will see later, these have been perceived by poets, artists, mystics and healers from across the ages, long before psychotherapy or modern complementary therapies existed. This healing experience is at the core of all the world's religions, which create their magic through community, moral guidance to a healthy life, free from vice and addiction, Rituals of religion and spiritual groups, of which those of rebirth are the most powerful, and the contacting of the higher forces in the psyche, which we may refer to as soul. I look forward to our next podcast, which will be on the stages of psychotherapy and where we can identify at which points the healing process occurs. I hope you can join us then.